Spring is here, and you can now get almost anything you need for your sunny days delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a well-groomed lawn delivered, but you can get a chicken parmesan delivered. A cabana? That's a no. But a banana? That's a yes. A nice tan? Sorry. Nope. But a box fan? Happily yes. A day of sunshine? No. A box of fine wines? Yes. Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol in select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast, brought to you by the team behind BikeRadar.com, Cycling Plus, and MBUK magazines. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe. And if you can do so, leave us a rating on your podcast provider of choice. It really helps us reach other cyclists like you. Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast. I'm Jack Luke and today I'm joined by good friend, excellent colleague, and wonderful rider, Simon Von Bromley. Simon, how are you today? Excellent, thank you. Recovering from a new maximum heart rate record set on in a Zwift race yesterday, so feeling a bit <laughs> tired. <laughs> so yeah, you know, perfect uh, perfect winter training. I'm hitting, hitting it hard now so that I can be burned out by spring. Well, while you were, you know, trudging it out in your indoor pain cave, I was out there cutting it with the, the realest cyclists at the UK. Real bike racing. UK. Real bike racing at the 2023 UK Hill Climb National Championships. The ultimate spectacle in UK racing and an event which is defined by weird and wonderful lightweight tech, which is truly the bread and butter of bike radar, the sort of stuff we love watching Riders puke their way up the disgusting slopes of the struggle and praying at the altar of pain at the very top of the climb. And today we're going to be talking through our sort of tech trends from that event. Quite an unusual event for the Hill Climb Nationals. For those of you that aren't aware, in the UK, hill climb season lasts from roughly early September to the last weekend of October, where the uh, Nationals are always traditionally held. And generally speaking, the climbs are anywhere from like two minutes all the way up to, at very most, like between 15, 16, 17 minutes, that kind of thing. The struggle is a bit of an outlier in the UK in that it's about 4.4 kilometres long and climbs 440-ish metres at an average gradient of 8% with a maximum gradient of 24%. 
I mean, it's, it's a long climb in the context of the UK, but it's made even more challenging by the fact there's a small but significant descent midway through. You know, generally speaking, hill climbs are just about maximum gradient, smashing it up as hard as you can. So to have something so technical brought out quite an interesting mix of tech on the day. And, you know, as time progresses, bikes change. We've seen some of the trends in wider road bikes reflected back into the pretty niche world of hill climbs. So yeah, we're going to go through sort of top tech trends today. The first one, oh, Simon, you've got you've got a hot point. Well, I just want to say because I, my parents live in the Lake District, so I, I've I've ridden around here a bit, and I think it's it's worth just talking about the course a little bit more. And, and oh, the fact that on, you say you know it's average gradient of eight percent, but that descent in the middle is what makes it an average of 8%. And actually, if you look at mm. the bits where you're climbing, you know, if you were to go on VeloViewer or something or Strava and look at the, it's it's red all the way when you're climbing. Yeah. So it makes for a really complicated, uh, you know, because normally you, you know, we would see riders using quite tight cassettes, you know, they might cut the drops mm -hmm. off. But actually in this, mm -hmm. in this range, you know, you're going to need a big gear for that, you know, flat downhill section, but then also tiny gears to get up these steep pitches. Potentially, you know, you might want drops for the descent. You know, it's also worth saying that, you know, for anyone who's ridden in the Lake District, the roads are super grippy. It was wet, I think, when most people oh, were riding. so bad. <laughs> it was like eight degrees and raining and foggy. Yeah. It was incredible. So, it, you know, it, it the conditions were, had a bit, I would have said, had a, you know, worth optimizing for. And it isn't, it wasn't, you know, solely about, being light in this instance. So we saw some interesting setups. Definitely. Actually, and a final point on the course, you know, I've, I've been, I haven't raced all of them, but I've been to lots of hill climbs in the UK and raced a few. I would say, hands down, hardest one, hardest one in the UK, just for its technicalities and how long and sustained it is. But anyway, first big trend. I mean, we might as well just kick this truly dead horse, Simon. Disc brakes take over. <laughs> I think, I, I, I am pretty confident that this was the first ever UK Hill Club National Championships won on disc brakes by Andrew Feather in the men's race. Illy Gardner, who absolutely demolished the women's field, was on good old rim brakes. But in the men's field, we had Andrew Feather on discs. I mean, he built up a truly, truly lightweight bike. And we all know that it is possible to build a truly light disc brake bike. Um, his comes in that I've got sub six kilos. I haven't actually got the note down of exactly how much it weighed. That's terrible. How unprofessional of me. But yeah, just under six kilos for his bike. And it was a Cannondale um, Super 6 Evo Lab 71. And uh, you know, as you'd expect, had a, a full complement of weight weenie parts like Schmolker stem, Schmolker handlebars, a new set of Hunt hill climb tubular wheels, crazy lightweight saddle and stuff like that. I think the, 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 the thing that I thought was really really bold was that he went for track tubulars he went for vittoria pista tubulars which are, you know they are like they are a lot faster if you look at the data that um aero coach has produced for example they're faster than even you know a vittoria Corsa speed or a velo flex record which are kind of you know the most delicate road tires you can get that was a bold choice i thought <laughs> yeah uh Yes and no, like, it's definitely like, yeah, for riding track tubs on the road, it's probably not something I would do day to day. But when we went and did our recce ride on the Saturday prior to the event, we bumped into Jack Talbot, the organiser of the event. Very nice young man. He's got a good story behind why the hill climb started. He was brushing the road prior to the event. With I was going to say, because it's very slaty. <laughs> 
you know, in the Lake yeah. District, there's lots of like, and you get obviously all the little sharp pieces of, of slate or rock and things like that. And yeah, the roads are very, you know, quite busy. So, I mean, it's nice to know that someone was brushing the course, but like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was quite surreal. We were coming up and I was like grinding away at my stupid bike. You took a stupid bike, did you? That's, that's a surprise. Yeah, I took a stupid bike, I know. Who, who would have thought? But yeah, I came around the corner and I just saw a man brushing a bread roll off the side <laughs> of the road. It had been, been dropped by someone. I was like, hill climbs are weird. Anyway, yes, we saw a Loads and loads of disc bikes being ridden. Lots of very lightweight ones. I have got the notes. It was 5.66 kilograms uh, for Andrew Feather's bike. We have a full video actually on that bike on our YouTube channel. Definitely check it out. There's loads of really interesting tech in there. But I think it's, you know, I think we can confidently say that that will become more common. We're going to see more and more super, super lightweight disc bikes. What will become clear as we talk through this podcast is that to get a super light disc brake bike, you have to spend crazy money. Whereas if you want to build a truly budget hill climb bike, you can still do it. I say this, bearing in mind, it is still a significant amount of money, but you can do it fairly cheap with a rim brake. Relatively speaking, it's way cheaper with rim brakes, yeah. Precisely. But nonetheless, you know, the the, the era of truly lightweight disc brake bikes is here, and I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, to be honest, because Andrew Feather will probably dominate the next zillion years of hill climbs. But yeah, he'll... um, He'll be on discs for the foreseeable future. Oh, we want to know what you hear, what you think. You know, how could we not poke the bear and ask for opinions on disc brakes? It's worked for the past 10 years. <laughs> we might as well just keep asking the same question again and again. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, like, I, I think it's just it's just a natural progression of things. You have the same argument in time trials, really. You know, people would say, obviously, the opposite question is no one cares about weight in a time trial, but everyone cares about aero. And everyone says, oh, well, you know, disc brakes are less aero than rim brakes. But of course, you're never really comparing apples to apples. You know, a disc brake frame, mm. because it's a more modern frame, benefits from all the modern progressions in aerodynamics, you know, so like the kind of, what is it? The specialized Shiv TT with disc brakes, yep. for example, you know, it's going to be a more aerodynamic frame than the old rim brake Shiv. Than your beloved Planet X. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but all the old rim brake uh, specialized Shiv simply because of everything else. But it's also going to be yeah. a better bike to live with as well, you know, because it'll be more adjustable. And I think that's part of the, mm. the, the reason that, Andrew, I mean, the second place rider, Ed Laverack, who's also, you know, an absolute monster when it comes to hill climbs. Yeah, he was riding a, a Factor 02 VAM, the new disc brake one. It's just kind of the natural progression, you know, like these bikes are significantly more aerodynamic than say, you know, Andrew used to have a Cannondale Super 6 Evo uh, high mod, you know, the round tube one. But if you check out Andrew's times and his his racing speeds, he's, he's riding up these climbs at like 30 kilometers an hour. And I, I, honestly, I can I cannot stress that. We, so we were we were filming bikes, chatting away. We've got a full video on, on all the bikes we spoke about. But we came down the hill a little bit to watch the finishers and the men's and the women's. Like Andrew Feather, like the, so basically the la- the last part of the climb was that twenty four percent kick. Everyone was groveling at that point. Like there's there's little to gain in that last ramp. It's just like finishing. He was sprinting like he was doing a full on sprint towards the finish. It was incredible. There's some disgusting photos on his Instagram. That man's legs. <laughs> like, who knew Who knew there were muscles in those places? It's such an impressive performance. And the same with Lily Gardner. So she put a full minute into her um, second place rider in the women's event. Absolutely incredible. Like, it's, it's rare in bike racing where you are seeing, like, genuinely some of the best people in the world racing all in kind of one place. Obviously, you get, like, the tour and stuff, but that's kind of a fleeting glimpse. This is a, ve- it's a very different experience where you, as, an, as a rider, can contextualise the whole 
course because you could write it the day before and it'll take you half an hour or whatever but you can see it from bottom to top and go wow they are just leaps ahead of everybody else incredible illy gardner incidentally is also the european hill climb champion that was a new i can't remember the exact name of the event she had quite a funny write-up about it on her blog hilly gardner but she had a good write-up about going off and um doing the event in oh, i can't remember where it was I can't remember, it was somewhere in the Alps. But she works like just a normal full-time job. I think she works in sort of uh, the film industry. She would also say Andrew Friday. also has a full-time job. He's a lawyer. Yeah, he's also <laughs> a lawyer, yeah. <laughs> but uh, Illy like, left on the Friday, drove all the way through France, did a recce on the Saturday, raced one on the Sunday, drove back to like Calais on the Sunday evening and then was in work for Monday Amazing. morning. And then she's still doing like a minute and ten. Anyway, we're digressing. Back to the tech. Disc brakes, they're taking over. The other big trend, which was completely unavoidable, I'll be honest, actually, not one till after the fact, when I'd photographed all the bikes, I kind of realised everybody, nearly, was on one by. Now, for a hill climb bike, of course, dropping a chain ring, front derailleur cables, all the rest of it, like that's quite a significant weight saving overall. I was quite surprised, however, to see one by so dominant, given that descent midway through the course. Like, to my mind, you know, smashing up to the big chain ring for that little descent was a less risky option, per se, than smashing down your cassette. But riders obviously deemed it worth the, I say, risk in inverted commas. And one by was almost completely dominant. Illy Gardner wasn't a bit of an outlier. She was just on a regular factor with two by durace, very nice. But like all, I'd say most of the top riders were all one by. I don't think there's a great deal more to say in that. Like it's lighter and one by setups are pretty well established now. They're, they're less sketchy than they used to be and, and they're less reliant on sort of DIY stuff. You are still seeing people do one by with like non-clutched mechs and no sort of chain catchers. But and apparently, I, I never witnessed any of these, but apparently there were a few drop chains on those that the the, the descents, just because people are trying to smash mm. through too many gears. Oh, what a way to realize. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but nonetheless, one by two cover. Any thoughts on that? Simon? Yeah, I, I think it, you know it's just because it's it's such a good weight saving, isn't it, to get rid of the big chain ring and and the front derailleur and then any kind of associated wires or or kind of cables. It, I think, the gain of having a front derailleur and and the big ring because that you know even though it was a you know descent, it, like it was still relatively short. I think that the kind of weight saving probably outweighed it, and the kind of simplicity, especially like these days, you know, you can get really wide ranging cassettes, right? So you could have a kind of a slightly bigger front chain ring to deal with the fast sections, but then also you know you could still have like say you know a thirty four T at the back to have an easier gear for the kind of steep sections if you know if that's what you wanted. You don't you know you're no longer kind of you don't have to run an, an 11 to 28 anymore and then a smaller chain ring no. up front. So, I, yeah, I, I think, the, you know, the hill, hill climb bikes are always weight first, aren't they? You know, whether it kind of makes performance sense or not, they're always weight first. And so I, I yeah. think any weight weenie worth their salt is going to look at that big front chain ring and think, get rid of it. Yeah, exactly. The, bra- the weight weenie brainwork <laughs> dig pretty deep when you <laughs> when you're fully hooked on the scene. If I was building a hill climb bike, I'd be going one. Yeah, bike. it looks really cool as well, doesn't it? Let's be let's be fair. And then you can also gut your left hand shifter. Oh, yeah, <laughs> classic stuff. Classic, classic. Of course, if I was building a hill climb bike, Simon, I'd be riding a fixed gear because I'm such a legend. Yeah, that's true. Although that I didn't see a single rider on fixed gear at the struggle. Not a great course for it. 
I could not think of a more ill-suited climb for a fixie. Like on a like, consistent gradient, it feels incredible. You can build something light, and I would say there's less disadvantage. But something like Struggle, you're just massively disadvantaging yourself. Next year, it is on a climb in the northeast. I can't remember exactly what it's called. Prospect Lane. Prospect Lane near Newcastle. Very consistent gradient. Got some really cool switchbacks and zigzags on the way up. I think it's like 1.6k long. That looks like a fixed gear suitable climb, and I've made the mistake of saying to Jack Evans that, and he's like, "Well, you're going to have to do it." Well, hasn't so didn't Joe Knowledge, formerly of this parish, uh, race a full season on a on a fixed gear hill climb bike? We have a good a good series on that somewhere, maybe. We do on uh, Bike Radar's YouTube channel. Oh, yeah, Joe raced a, r- a really, 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 really cool yeah. custom fixed gear in 2018, I think amazing bike was made by engineered bikes it was a custom bike brand based in bristol and it's this cool sort of like polished alloy carbon bond it's just really cool check it out look up joe norledge fixed gear on youtube something like that you'll find like radar hill climb diaries isn't it yeah it was actually pre-hill was climb it? diaries Gosh. Yeah, it was the year prior to that and it was yeah the real the dark days of bike radar <laughs> it's a good video it's really really worth a watch joe is so fast in that as well yeah. and felix were talking about this after i hope he listens and this makes him blush but like you know, watching all these really fast riders thinking like, are we friend Joe? He used to be up there back when he was young. Yeah, he's he going, like, oh, I'd be really happy if I'd got a top 20 at the Nationals, you know. I'm like, yeah, that's pretty good, Joe. A top 20, yeah, top 20 good. in the country would be pretty good. Anyway, away from Wombai, one thing that's been true, to be fair, for years now in the hill climb scene, but it was most manifest, I think, this year. If you are listening to this podcast, you think, I like the sound of this. I want to build a hill climb bike, but I don't know where to start. The answer is either a Trekamonda SLR or a Cannondale Super 6 Evo. That's it. There's your answer. Like I would say that for the weight DIY and also like extreme weight weenie builds, that is the frame set of choice. I think for two reasons. One, for a production frame, they were genuinely, genuinely light. And with a bit of modding, sanding back, whatever, you can make them as light as any like super boutique rim brake frame set would be with a lot of DIY work the other thing is just the sheer quantity of them that were sold hugely hugely popular bikes the rim brake versions of both of them and as a result you can get them dead cheap on eBay one guy we spoke to had spent he reckoned less than £1,500 on his bike and got the frame set for £200 on eBay, which is a mega bargain. And that was Ben Mackinson, who spent 30 hours subsequently sanding all the paint off of his frame to save 175 grams, which, you know, would make it a genuinely lightweight frame. And then, yeah, we saw tons and tons of Cannondale Super 6s as well. It is basically, they, they, they are the frame sets to buy if you want to build a lightweight bike. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. 
And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected. Subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. I'll just echo your your thoughts, really. Like, they, they were kind of the two of the bikes that really focused on, like, weight weenie stuff in the kind of mm. mid-2010s. You know, the, the Trekamonda SLR, for example, there was one that released in, I think, 20, 2014, that uh, was a production bike with, you know, two by drivetrain, kind of, you know, it wasn't a normal build by <laughs> by by any stretch, but but Trek released a fi- painted 56 centimeter bike and it weighed 4.65 kilos, you know. That's so cool. <laughs> and, you know, obviously that had, you know, carbon bars, carbon saddle and all of those kind of things, but, and you know, tub- tubular wheels, but um, to have a two by drivetrain set up, you know, to weigh 4.65 kilos, and so, you know, obviously that was the highest end one, but then the kind of mid-tier frames were still mm. crazy light. And it's the same for the Cannondale Super 6 Evo. You know, both of these bikes were like round tubes, skinny tubes. They both use kind of relatively standard parts as well, which makes them relatively easy to mod. You know, I think if you buy a, you know, if you go back and buy a giant TCR or something, you know, you're kind of stuck with the integrated seat mast and then it's like kind of alloy seat topper, for example. Or it might have, you know, a kind of an overdrive one and a quarter inch steerer, which then limits what stem you can put on it. You know, some some old bikes might have had like you know, direct mount brakes or something, and so you wouldn't be able to then get a set of Planet X ultralight CNC brakes to put on the front and save yourself a couple of hundred grams. So I think, it, yeah, it's it's part of the fact that they were just insanely light. You know, mm. they as you say, Trek and Canada are two of the most popular brands, and so they're very widely available. And, you know, obviously they're kind of probably available secondhand now as as riders who would have had those bikes, you know, which would have been very high-end bikes in the past. You know, if you were a type of of rider who had a high-end bike, you're probably now moving on to a disc brake one, right? And, you you know, maybe you want to sell, get rid of it. And then, you know, that can be snapped up, as you say, on the secondhand market by anyone who's kind of keen for a bargain. Um, But yeah, like, I, I think they're just kind of like, they have all the ingredients to make excellent hill climb bikes and they're very hospitable to modding and i think you know that that's a really a really key point and the best bit about hill climb bikes to be honest is the sweet sweet mods but we'll come on to that in the last point this sort of links back to our previous point but i think it's worth stressing you do not need to spend mad coin to build a really lightweight hill climb bike i mean i don't have total numbers for say like andrew feather's bike but it's probably for a lab 71 frame all those parts like if you were buying that at retail what eight, nine grand. I'm, I'm just guessing, but I don't think that's un, massively unrealistic. Then on the other hand, you people have people like Ben Mackinson who have spent roughly 1,500 quid, 500 pounds of which went onto a super lightweight wheel set. If you swap that white lightweight tubby, uh, tubby, <laughs> <laughs> lightweight hunt tub wheel set for something like a bit cheaper alloy, like you're not going to significantly add a lot of weight but still end up with a super super light bike i don't think there's anything wrong with building lightweight bikes it's really fun it's 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 no more harmful to the world than collecting sneakers like i I love (laughs) the diy fun aspect of it and i like it even more when people aren't spending ludicrous amounts of money like it's i I am being a bit of a snob here but when people come along with like a 10 grand bike and like oh well done yeah, well, it's, it's easier, isn't it, like- to just go and buy a load of you know mm. schmalker parts because they're just off the peg stuff. But it's more mm. fun to see someone who's like bodged together a kind of smart solution 
and it hasn't cost very much money, right? Because, you know, yeah, it's like anything, you you turn up to a time trial and you can see someone with a world tour spec bike and they've, you know, thrown loads of money at a wind tunnel or whatever. Mm. And you, and you can get, you know, like, yeah, that's great. If you've got the money and that's what you want to spend it on, like, that's absolutely cool. But it's also fun to see someone turn up with a kind of, you know, bike in position, they've kind of honed themselves through testing and, you know, like, you know, getting, yeah, I I, I completely agree. Like you, you definitely don't need to spend loads of money and, um, you know, I mean, like, you know, the the other thing as well is that, like, it should it, maybe a lot of people probably won't agree with this, but it also like the kind of making all these weight savings on your bike doesn't really make that much difference. <laughs> no, <laughs> so we're going to come on to yeah. that, but that, but it's fun. So you it's don't fun. don't you know if you don't have loads of money, just kind of like focus on the kind of the things that you 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 know you can build up. You can buy a you know a cheap carbon saddle off eBay, for example. It doesn't need to be really good because you're not going to spend hours riding on it. So you know, so that's the really a good place to start. But you don't need to go out and buy a five grand Cannondale Super Six Evo Lab Seventy One frame set. It, no. It's not going to no. make enough difference for you compared to as you, as as we've just kind of discussed, like searching eBay for a kind of you know an, an old rim brake bargain. My absolute favourite bike we photographed in recent years was at the 2022 Nationals. This guy called Dan Leatherbarrow, real hitter in the Bristol scene, and he had a really cool Dolan Setta track bike um, that he's turned into a hill climb bike. And he reckoned he'd spent less than £1,000 on it and got like really cheap, old, super light tub wheels, got a fixed gear hub laced into the back. Like the brake levers were these awful, <laughs> awful, <laughs> like 1980s plastic levers. Yeah. Just, they felt dreadful in the hand. But like, you know, it was a genuinely lightweight bike. It looked sick. And he was, you know, very pleased with his placing, riding a bike that cost less than some people's front wheels. Like it's it's I love it. And that sort of DIY hodgepodge nature is what makes the hill climb scene from a tech perspective so appealing to me. I I love it. And people take great pleasure in talking about them. And this sounds a bit, I don't know, a little bit arrogant, but like whenever we go and speak to people and we want to photograph their bikes and we want to talk about them, like it is the greatest pleasure they experience, you know, to get to nerd out about their bikes and share it. These people are so passionate about building fun bikes. I absolutely love it. It's a it's a great honour for me to get to go and do these things. Anyway, on the other side of that, <laughs> <laughs> normal bikes are also completely fine. Some of the people who were placing very well in the race were riding what we'll call normal bikes. I don't mean normal per se in like cost or sort of just making them boring. It's more the case that you, you do not need a hill climb specific bike to take part, but also to be competitive. Like some of the fastest bikes were hardly different from people's day-to-day bikes, maybe going down to one by, maybe going down to a shallower set of wheels, or maybe just riding what they do day-to-day. It doesn't really slow you down. As you say, Simon, like weight savings do matter to a point depending on the climb, but there is definitely a point of vanishing returns for, for what you're you're actually spending or doing or whatever. So yeah, normal bikes are fine. We saw plenty, plenty of them on the hill. And if you are listening, you want to try hill climb, I mean, first off, I'd really question why you want to do some pleasant things you could possibly do. But, you know, don't feel like you need to go out and spend £1,500 on some crazy wild Amanda. What you have is absolutely fine. Yeah, I, I would just, yeah, like, it's really, really fun. And But, I, yeah, I just wouldn't want it to become a kind of pr- a pressure thing where you feel like you need to keep up with people. Because, like, the difference between, say, you know, if I, I've got this giant TCR, I, my old giant TCR, that I, you know, are kind of trying to make into a hill climb bike, and, and you can look at all of these things on it and say, you know, here's somewhere I could, you know, shave off 
50 grams or something but like you know 50 grams is literally nothing you know you've got it it might be significant in the kind of context of your of your bike's weight but you've got to look at it you know your power to weight ratio includes your body weight (laughs) Mm -hmm. and so it's you know anything you do to the bike is like is is you're just kind of like it doesn't move the needle much you know you take your bike from seven to six kilos that is a significant saving on your bike yeah, yeah, yeah. and and it will save you a few seconds you know and if you obviously if you're at the pointy end a few seconds could be the difference between a really good finish you know and a, and a kind of average finish and that's fine but for like if you're just getting started you know like it's not going to make any difference the only the only thing i would say and and our wonderful jack evans secured cemented his place in the t- as one of the top 100 hill climbers in the uk again but I'm going to call him out on this podcast. You know, I hope he's listening because we had a conversation about tires. All right, and uh, yeah. and I recommended you know some better tires to him. And then I see him sticking with Vittoria old Vittoria Corsa tires for this for this race. <laughs> he's in the office today. You know, I'm going to go up and chastise what, him for this. What's he doing? You know, those are some of the slowest tires available. I, I just mm. I, it's, it's my Simon. Sorry, are you are you are you getting upset about slow tires? That's so out of character. It's for you. yeah, I know, I know. It's my it's mind boggling. But yeah, you know, he would have saved weight. He would have saved that he could, they could have had options that had half the rolling resistance, and that would have made a significant difference. Yeah, he finished ninety sixth, right? And he I reckon he he could have been much higher. So you know those those are the kind of things I would worry about. You know, rather than. You know, if you if you've got a really if you've got a set of like you know fifteen hundred gram alloy wheels, don't go out and spend a thousand pounds on a set of AX lightness tubular wheels. Just just buy a set of nicer tires. I'm going to go upstairs and publicly shame Jack in front. Well, of I'm publicly shaming him on this podcast. So that's true. That's bigger than the office. <laughs> oh dear, Simon, I might have to get on the phone to HR. I don't know about this. <laughs> Bless him. I love him. I just want him to do well. I there's a really funny bit. I think we'll post it on socials. Uh, on the bike radar Instagram the next day or two, but he finished the climb. Felix and I were hanging around at the finish and I went over to interview him. I say in inverted quotes and sort of like, how'd you get on? How'd you get your climb? And he honestly looked off this plan. <laughs> I couldn't get a word out. It's just this despairing look of a boy <laughs> at death's door. Anyway, final point. I think we've already touched this very much so. Hill climb mods are fine, fun to be encouraged as long as they're safe. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fine to accept that they are probably mostly psychological advantages over anything else. Like I spoke to a guy called Jason Holder who had this absolutely wild Trekamonda. It's the only way to describe it. Like the level of customization he's gone to is is just crazy. And you know, like things like drilling out tiny little holes, but drilling them all over his rear derailleur, chopping the rails off his saddle to glue it in place. Uh, removing the guts of a DI2 left-hand shifter, absolutely no- nothing left. Shaving his boa dials down on his shoes. That's really when I knew he was committed to the weight weenie cause. He's a quick rider. Like he came, I think he came second or third in the GC and Oatroot Alps this year. Like he's a he's a quick rider, but you know, even he admitted that those those gains on his bike were pretty much for the pure pleasure of building it and for the fun of doing so. And I think that's great. I think why not for the pure passion of just playing with with bikes enjoy it and if it makes you feel better on the hill well so what maybe simon the reason why i beat you in the <laughs> two weeks ago <laughs> was because i knew my bike was two kilos lighter than yours maybe roughly maybe that's what happened maybe if you'd just spent four thousand pounds making your bike two kilos lighter then you would have beat me 
Maybe that was. I should have wrote a fixie. I'm an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I I I, I was waiting for the perfect (laughs) opportunity to raise that. I've been really really thinking about. it. Well, you know, well deserved. And you you know, the the numbers don't lie. You won and I lost. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But yeah, that's why I'm now training. You've 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 kind of. Set, set off a, com- a complex in me oh, no. where I'll, <laughs> I'll be ruining eschewing my eschewing family life and becoming a, a, a hermit now just just training <laughs> he'll climb her so i can That's beat good, I like beat that. you in the same race next year i'm not going to have to drive very hard <laughs> um anyway but yeah no I, I i completely agree like it's absolutely fine to do whatever you want to your bike and and it is totally just in the mind but i think that you know I've been thinking about this a lot recently because we have seen a number of lightweight bikes this year released from, you know, major brands, you know, specialized, the kind of big claim for the Tarmac SL8 was that it was sub, you know, the UCI weight limit, the Factor 02 van was below the UCI mm-hmm. weight limit, the Canyon Ultimate CFR, you know, and and I think, you know, we know that for the pros who ride, you know, super, super fast, aerodynamics are more important, really, nearly all the time. But there is that, just that psychological thing that, you know, we see a nice bike, we pick it up and we go, Ooh, you know, that's really light. And there is, there is an element of just mind over matter with this stuff. Mm. And I, and I think that's absolutely fine. You know, like everyone has their own limit with these things. You know, I would not be taking apart a saddle to glue it to the top of an integrated seat, seat mast, for example, I wouldn't be riding my bike without the expander bung in the top. Yeah. That one, that one freaked me out. Sorry, Ben Mackison, but that one really concerned me. I was worried for your welfare going back down that hill. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, uh, uh, but, you know, the limit for me would extend to like, I wouldn't swap out my, you know, standard stem bolts for a set of eBay titanium ones, for example, <laughs> you know, cause just because like, you know, I'm a dad and yeah, like you've got to come back down the hill and like this, this yeah. I know the saving 20 grams doesn't make any difference. So, but at the same time, you know, if, if that's something that you've done and you know, it's working for you, like that's, that's also absolutely, absolutely fine. And, and I think like, it's just really fun to mod your bike and hill climb is what, you know, lightweight bikes are just one of those things where there's a kind of endless list of things you can do right with with aero Mm. stuff it's really difficult because you 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 know you can't put a load of fairings on your bike you could could. i mean you know technically i suppose you can by ctt rules but you know they're kind of they're not readily available if you know what i mean right with light stuff like there's because there's such a history of it a lot of this stuff is just readily available you know like we we saw in in your kind of tech gallery jack the kind of you know the diacompe Brakes. Mm, I've never heard yeah. of them, but they're like you know they're just a little they weigh yeah they weigh nothing. They don't work, but they weigh nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just kind yeah. of like finding little hacks like that, or you know, like set of Planet X CNC brakes from from ten years ago, or taking apart a shifter and yeah, as you say, like drilling out a kind of rear derailleur. Like it's 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 just for the crack, isn't it? It's just for the crack, and I think like <laughs> it's absolutely fine and. It's really fun, and and I think like even if it doesn't, even if it doesn't really make any difference to your performance, compared to, you know, training well, eating well, sleeping well, that's boring. That stuff's really boring, isn't it? Exactly. Whereas this stuff is really fun, and you know, like if you make your bike lighter, it's always going to be lighter, no matter how many biscuits you eat. (laughs) What a poignant spot to end (laughs) on. That's great. I love it. That's great. What a what a mantra to live by. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. I, I, as you've got the sense, 
We love hill climbs here at Bike Radar. We always make an effort every year to come up to the Nationals. It's a real highlight of my professional life every year. And I would implore you to check out our full tech gallery. I've got a link to that in the podcast description. We've also got a full gallery on Jason Holder's Amond that we mentioned. Uh, and then we've got the full video as well. They're really, they're really fun. There's good stuff in there. It's definitely, definitely one to read and watch. And I'd like to hear about your hill climb mods, possibly even your hill climb bikes. We've got our podcast inbox at podcast at bikeradar.com. Send us through some cool photos of your uh, amazing hill climb mods, lightweight bikes. We just love this stuff. We're, we are full, we are literally, Simon, professional nerds. And that's because <laughs> I like catnip to us. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and I I think, you know, the kind of the let the professional lesson that I think we've taken from, you know, doing covering this this year's hill climb stuff a bit more is that we want to uh, shine more of a light on lightweight stuff in the future. So definitely if that's something you're interested in do stay tuned to bike radar and the bike radar podcast of course because we're going to be doing much more on it because even though i know that to me it doesn't really make any difference in terms of performance doesn't stop it from being fun was this what four four or five years you've been here simon you know i've finally... only been here since 2020 really yeah well, it feels like forever me. <laughs> <laughs> but three years and we finally won you around to talk about hill hill climb tech yeah. and lightweight bikes god well, how times change it's just because it's popular uh, i've got to move with the people <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. Again, do check out those those links for our hill climb tech coverage from this year. And um, we'll speak to you soon. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Bike Radar Podcast. If you've not done so already, please subscribe and share with your friends or leave us a rating if you've enjoyed this episode. 